The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Heart for America. Lord, every kind of carnage and murder and wickedness is flowing into our nation. And Lord, it seems that we're powerless to stop it from government leaders who lie, who bring in radical Islamists as though they are sweet when their hearts are filled with Sharia law, their heart is filled with murder. And yet our government officials seem bent on destroying America. Lord, there seems to be an insanity that has taken over our nation. That which was sweet has to our leadership in the nation become bitter. That which was truth has become a lie. Lord, if you don't step into America, we will surely be destroyed. Lord, I pray today that as I share this word from the scriptures, that those who choose to listen will be touched by the Holy Spirit and quickened by your presence and preserved and healed in these crazy, insane, and wicked days. Lord, have your way now. Give me the word to speak that the hearts of your people can be healed, restored, made whole. Lord, thank you. My eyes are upon you, Jesus. My hope is in you, Jesus. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and there is none other. There is no other way but through you, Jesus, to enter into salvation. I lift you up today, and I praise, and I worship, and I honor you. Thank you, Jesus. In your holy name I pray. Amen. We live in an absolutely insane time in Earth's history. But this is not the first time. If you read carefully the stories of the Old Testament, you'll find that when Israel turned away from the living God of heaven and dove into the wickedness of worshiping Baal as America is doing, you find when the children of Israel substituted the God of heaven with idols and all kinds of wickedness, when they prostituted themselves for wealth and lifestyle, God then began to open the doors to allow invaders to enter their land. King Solomon, said to be the wisest man who ever lived, was a fool. 
He married a thousand wives, built altars upon which they offered their babies. And the Lord, in his anger, divided the nation, Israel and Judah. He allowed troublemakers to come in. He allowed infiltration and murder and rebellion to enter the land. He allowed plagues and famine. He allowed wild animals. The Lord God of heaven moved in such a way that the protection was removed from the land. That's precisely what we see happening today. America has been blessed as no nation in the history of the world, even Israel. But today we see the hand of God being removed from America. We see the protection being removed, and we see the infiltration of radical jihadists. We see death, murder, mayhem, and it's just beginning. It is going to grow much, much worse. What are you going to think when there are 10 Orlando attacks in 10 major cities on one day? And of course, the answer will be from the American government. Let's destroy the Second Amendment, which is absolutely insane. Preventing American citizens from being able to protect themselves. You're going to see fascism rise its ugly head even higher than it is today. You are going to see the freedoms that America has enjoyed destroyed in the name of security. We are on a downward crash. The America I grew up in is no longer. It has died. We now live in a foreign country. And we as Americans need to understand that our only hope is to be found in the person of Jesus Christ, not in the President of the United States or the Congress or the Supreme Court, for they have sold out to the enemy. They are no longer godly leaders, no longer interested in justice. They now are interested in the buyout, in the personal advantage and gain. Our nation has been corrupted to its very soul. And so what are you going to do? Let me read this passage. It's found in Second Timothy, the third chapter. Now you must know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For humankind will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, arrogant, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, wicked, without natural affection, 
unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, opposed to goodness, and good people, traitors, rash, having been blinded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but having denied its power sometime in the past, and still in a state of denial. But you must turn away from these people. Now, if you continue reading in the third chapter, you quickly discover that they are speaking that the Apostle Paul to Timothy is speaking of people who are a part of the Christian church. He's saying this is what the church is going to become in the end days of earth's history. And we see this happening now in the church. People who say, I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven. But this description in the third chapter fits them perfectly. They have a form of godliness. But they have no power. For they have denied Jesus Christ. They have denied that his blood has the power to remove their sin and to transform them into righteous people. They have denied righteousness and have adopted the ways of this world now I've been sharing with you the book of Hebrews the book of Hebrews could never at any time in history been more vital than it is today for us in America In way of review, chapter 1 of the book of Hebrews tells us who Jesus Christ is. He is God. He is born of God, but he was pre-existent. He has from all eternity been God. The first chapter lays out for us the relationship now between God the Father and God the Son. One God expressed in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These are functional, these are functional breakouts for the salvation of men of one God in chapter 2 he says we must pay more careful attention therefore to what we have heard so that we do not drift away he's not speaking here of forgetfulness He is speaking here of the currents that will carry us past the place of the anchorage in Jesus Christ. 
he is speaking here about paying attention to Jesus instead of paying attention to the stock market or to the entertainment of the day. I deeply offended a congregation I spoke with as I preached to them and said, My father, when I was a child, at my request to go to the movie theater, and I must say in a time when the movie theater was much healthier and cleaner than it is today, I asked my father if I could go, and he said, No, you may not, Ray. Raymond, he called me. I said, Why? He said, Well, do you want supper tonight here at the house? He didn't call it dinner. In our family, they called it supper. He said, Or would you rather drive down to the town, and would you rather search through some garbage bins to find something to eat? I said, no, Daddy, I don't want to go to a garbage bin to find food. It would have maggots in it. It would be ugly. It would be spoiled. It would make me sick. And he said, then why do you want to go to the garbage bin of the theaters to find a meal to satisfy you? Why not eat the wholesome food of home? They were offended by that. They said, oh, now we're not supposed to go to the theaters? The theater today is a sewer. The modern American entertainment is a sewer, spewing forth vile poison and rank maggots. And yet today, we drift right on by Jesus Christ on the current of lust for entertainment. And this culture, one Christian man said, who is a part of Focus on the Family, he said, entertainment is so much a part of our culture today that all we can do is try to evaluate it and point you to the entertainment that is the least objectionable. Really? How about if we just stop going and stop participating in the entertainment of this wicked world? No, we'd rather drift right on past Jesus Christ and find our way into the social media, into Facebook or Twitter or some other unclean place we'd rather drift on by jesus and go to the professional sports we'd rather drift on by jesus and have whatever satisfies the lust of wickedness in our hearts and the writer of the book of hebrews is warning here in the beginning of the second chapter as he does a number of times through the book of hebrews warning us pay careful attention you cannot drift you cannot allow yourself to drift and expect to be saved today the craving of the human heart has grown exponentially evil 
And there needs to come now a radical change in those who call themselves Christians. Some churches are even incorporating multimedia into their worship service. One church, I hate to even say this, one church has a multimedia committee that views the movies of the day and then sits with the pastor to work out the sermon for the coming Sunday, including clips of the most recent movies on the big screen so the pastor can be relevant to the congregation as he gives his little 15-minute chat, inspirational chat to the congregation, maybe 20 minutes if he stretches it. One pastor even took part of Batman and Robin Hood or Batman and Superman, I guess it was. That tells you how up-to-date I am. And showed these clips on the screen and then spoke about them as though they were teaching a lesson like the scriptures would teach. If you're in that kind of church, run. It's a haunt of evil. The writer of the book of Hebrews says we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away or drift past by the currents of the day carrying us. For if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? And what is salvation? Being saved from sin. Not by some make-believe covering over of our sin, but a removal of our sin, a transformation, a metamorphosis, turning from evil, turning from darkness. We have become so hardened in our sin in America and so accustomed to the lust of our flesh and the lust of our mind that we don't even know what's evil anymore. And the God of heaven is grieved, and so he's allowing invaders to come into this Christian nation. See, I can't bring myself to say post-Christian nation. America was founded as a haven of refuge that men and women could worship God and be holy before him and and name the name of Jesus. If we lose this, we will not be a post-Christian nation. The nation will be destroyed. We will no longer be a nation. Invaders will come and divide and conquer. Now in chapter 2 of this book of Hebrews tells us that everything has been put under 
the control and the authority of Jesus Christ. I want to read this brief passage. And by the way, by God's grace, I'll be on the book of Hebrews all week. I urge you to invite friends to listen. This is a message to America today. Let me begin in chapter 2, verse 17. Now, for this reason, Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted he is able to help those who are being tempted if you are unwilling to suffer you cannot be a Christian suffering is part and parcel of what it means to be a Christian in America today why Jesus could not sin he was God but he suffered as he was tempted he had to face every temptation of the human heart and he did and he was victorious but he felt the pain now why would I say that you cannot be a Christian if you are unwilling to suffer because there is a radical difference between light and darkness and when you come out into the light all of the sin becomes very plainly seen you cannot hide and it's painful to begin to admit the condition of our hearts if we stay in the dark we can seem to be like everyone else we can seem to be good Christians no one will know of the pornography in the secret of night no one will know of the lust in our heart no one will know of the pride in our life no one will know of the arrogance of our spirit no one will know of our lust for money and power and control and our jealousy of our brother and sister no one will know because we can force properness on the outward expression of the human heart by the flesh. But when we follow Jesus Christ, something very different begins to happen. We come out into the open and we begin to confess our sin. We no longer deny our sin. Some of you have denied your sin for so long that you don't even realize the wickedness of your heart. You are so far from Jesus. 
you are so caught in your fervent desire to pursue your own personal goals and to accomplish your own life. Some of you are so caught in the pain and the agony of your deadness that you are dead. Some of you are so caught in your anger and depression that you're not even aware of how painful it is because you're hiding in the dark. The writer of the book of Hebrews is saying, Jesus refused to walk in the dark. He walked in the light, and because of that, Satan made every attack, and those attacks brought suffering to his soul because he had to stand in the power of the Spirit and say, No, no. Believe me, if you begin to cry out to Jesus and you begin to say, Lord, I must be made righteous. Open for me, O Lord, the gates of righteousness. Change me, Jesus. Transform me. I don't even know what my sin is, Jesus. I just know I'm a long ways from you. I know when I pray, nothing happens. I know when I speak your word, nothing happens. It falls to the ground. When I try to pray, it's as though my prayers bounce off the ceiling. I know my heart is dry and cold and hard. I keep going back to the same old sin. I have no victory in my life. Now you must choose. You must either draw deeper into the darkness or you must ask Jesus to bring you out into the light. One man I spoke with is in such inner turmoil and torment because he has a whole number of things he thinks he must do to be a Christian not realizing as the book of hebrews will share in just a moment in verse in chapter 3 of hebrews we are called to enter into the rest of god the bedroom of god the place of repose the laying down place we are called to give up our lives to come out into the light where it may be plainly seen that we are walking with jesus I have points of of great concern in my heart, concern regarding finances for this radio broadcast, concern about relationships in my life, concern about my children and my grandchildren, concern about many things in my life. And if I allowed these things to reign over me, I would be weighed down and heavy of heart. But I don't. I go in the prayer closet and I give these things to Jesus and I put my eyes upon him. This morning, I went into the prayer closet early and I got on my face before God and I said, Lord, I don't even know how to begin to pray this morning. For these things in my life are causing fear to rise. And I began to confess every area of fear and concern. And I gave them over to Jesus. 
I was fully in the light. I was exposed in the presence of God. And his peace filled my heart as I gave over every concern and said, I will trust you, Jesus, and I know you will work these things out according to your will, and I will not touch them. I will not be concerned about them. I bring all of my concerns to you, Jesus. I lay at your feet all of the agony of my soul. I went in before the Lord today and I cried out for America. My heart was so heavy with what's happening across this nation, but particularly those explosive, violent murders that are occurring in our land with radical Islamists. My heart cried before the Lord. I said, O God, I know this is happening because of the wickedness of our nation. And you are allowing invaders to infiltrate us. The borders have been destroyed. The culture is being destroyed. The language is being destroyed. America is being ripped apart by wicked men and women at the highest levels of our government. I am desperately concerned. And so I wept before the Lord and I laid it at his feet and I said, oh God, you promised me 40 years ago that you would bring revival to America. In Matthew 24, it says, there will be one final great proclamation of the gospel that will go forth over this nation. There will be a message of righteousness lifted up one last time for the Western world. My eyes are on Jesus. I trust him. I'm not going to be bogged down in personal concerns. I want the concerns of the heart of God. And I'm going to join together with Jesus in intercession, crying out that his people would repent and turn aside from their wickedness. That's what Hebrews, the second chapter, is all about. Hebrews, the third chapter. It's again confronting a very difficult confrontation. So as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. That is, do not harden your thoughts. Do not say in your mind, this pastor's crazy. This pastor's being too radical. No, I'm not being radical enough. I'm too much a child of the culture to truly preach the righteousness of Jesus. And I'm saying, oh God, change me. 
Fill me with your spirit and with the anointing of the Holy One. It's time for us to turn in repentance before Jesus. You're comfortable in your job and you're successful in your occupation. You have a beautiful home, perhaps, and you drive the beautiful BMW or Mercedes or some other beautiful automobile. Some of you are traveling and going on the Viking cruises, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with walking under the blessing of God and enjoying all the things he's given us. But my question to you is, have you turned aside from the living God? Are you enjoying all of these wonderful financial gifts because of the blessing of God to your grandparents and the heritage of God in your family? But you have personally turned aside from the living God of heaven. And your grandchildren will not enjoy the same world you enjoy. Instead, they will be living in a third world country, divided, torn, and ravaged. With the petrodollar being destroyed. Have you turned away from the living God of heaven? And have you comforted yourself that you've done all of this? You have, you have earned all of this standing, and you've earned all of this money. You have an income of over $100,000 a year, perhaps. And you think, now I am arrived. I am accomplished. Or perhaps you're already suffering the loss of finance, wondering how you'll remain in your house. Already feeling the ravaging of America. Our unemployment rate in truth is well over 20%. This 4.7 lying figure from the government has no meaning it is a deception. And so today, like the children of Israel in the desert, receiving the manna, their clothes not wearing out, receiving every good gift, still would not trust in the Lord God of heaven and instead trusted in their own hand, with demands and hostility and anger until finally God said I was angry with that generation I was grieved by that generation and I said their hearts are always turning astray they have not known my ways so I decided on oath in my anger they shall never enter my rest God is coming to a place where he is going to judge America. The judgment is already being poured out. And the cry of my heart is that this judgment will be under repentance and not under the utter destruction of America. I still have hope for America. I love America. 
I love Americans. And I'm saying, oh, Jesus, please don't destroy this nation, but raise us up once more to be a righteous nation filled with the gospel, filled with the flowing presence of God. Verse 12, see to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. The book of Hebrews is pleading that we not be captivated by the deceitfulness of the comfort of our culture and the sin of our culture, that we would turn aside from it. that we would repent before God. That we would repent before God. That we would turn aside. My brother, my sister, it's time for us to weep before God, to cry, to wail, to stop acting as though everything is normal. It's not normal. When the invaders can come into America and go into a club and have people block the doors and then kill 49 people, is that normal? It's the greatest mass murder that's ever happened in America. It is not an accident. It was deliberate. It was planned. This man was trying to buy body armor several weeks ago. And our government's response and Hillary Clinton's response? Let's ban guns. Let's take it away from Americans. Let's, let's change the Second Amendment. Let's not let Americans defend themselves from these invaders and these attackers. These leadership people in our nation are insane. They are wicked. The Lord was angry with these people. They would not believe in him. They disobeyed. And then we come to chapter 4. Chapter 4 in the book of Hebrews brings to us the wonderful gift of Sabbath rest. You remember the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do thy work, but the seventh is a Sabbath unto the Lord. That was under the Old Covenant. In the New Covenant, every day is a Sabbath. Every day we enter and remain in the rest of God. And in the fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews, the writer is going to use the symbolism of the type with the antitype. 
in the very heart of the Ten Commandments is the Sabbath. In the heart of the Ten Commandments is Jesus Christ. And he's saying, now you can have me not just one day a week, but seven days a week. Enter into my rest and do not leave my rest, but remain in my rest. I'm going to open the phone lines if you'd like to respond, if you need me to pray with you. Our phone number in studio is 877-534-0780. That number again, 877-534-0780. I'd be happy to pray with you and and hear where your heart is. I also want to lift up for you the need for you to come and worship with the National Prayer Chapel. I received a text this morning from a young man or last night from a young man asking, are you going to do an outdoor baptism this summer? And the answer is yes. We are planning now a a baptism for this summer outdoors in the Occoquan River. I wrote back and asked, why do you want to be baptized? And he shared, and it was exciting to hear. He doesn't want to be baptized at his local church because the pastor there does not address the question of sin and righteousness. And he said, we are looking for a new church. They live in Frederick, Maryland. I'm inviting them to drive to Woodbridge. Whoa, pastor, that's a long ways. Yes, we have one family that drives every week from Frederick, Maryland. It's a long drive. Why did they come? Because they want to be in a place where the Spirit of God is moving in power where the word is straight and clean and where they can be accountable with other Christians to walk in holiness before God. One man said to me, Pastor, I live in the district. It's too far for me to come. I said, wait a minute. Would you drive that far for a Redskins game? Oh, yes. Would you drive that far for a hockey game? Oh, yes. But not for Jesus. What are your values? So I'm going to tell you where we meet and I'm inviting you to come. The National Prayer Chapel rents space every Sunday at 12 noon from the All Saints Anglican Church. That church is located, All Saints Anglican Church, is located at 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. That address again, All Saints Anglican Church, 14851 Gideon Drive, Virginia, 22192. Drive around to the back side of the parking lot. You'll see a large white sign that says Lower Lobby. 
Come in those ground-level double-glass doors, and you'll find the worship center for the National Prayer Chapel immediately on your left. If the Spirit of God is moving in your heart, and this message is touching you and calling you to righteousness, if there is conviction in your heart, then come and worship with us. Don't go to a place of entertainment. Don't go to a place where sin is not addressed, where righteousness is not lifted up, where Jesus is not Lord and Savior. Now, I also would like to invite you to participate in this month's broadcast cost. I've always believed that the cost of the work of God should be supported with tithes and offerings. I want to thank those of you who are consistent like clockwork. Thank you, my brother and sister. Let me give you the address that you can send your gift to. It's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, it's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, the pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. If you'd like to participate in today's broadcast, you're welcome to call quickly, 877 534 0780. I'll be happy to take a couple of calls. Now let's come back to Hebrews, the fourth chapter. It says the message that was given to the children of Israel was of no value to them. And what does it mean, no value? Well, it means that God ended up letting them die in the desert. I don't want you to die in the desert of an America that is filled with utter shame, vile wickedness. I don't want you to die in a nation watching the wicked entertainment of our day. I want you to turn and follow Jesus Christ in all honesty, sincerely, earnestly, sacrificing whatever is necessary to follow Jesus Christ. Then he says in verse 4, he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all of his work. And again, the passage above says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter the rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, or do not harden your thoughts. 
For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. And what was their example of disobedience? They hardened their thoughts against God. And instead favored the powers of darkness. Now also in review, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It makes things happen. If you will hear the word of God preached to you in such a manner that it is dealt with honestly, it will make things happen in your life, and you will become convicted of your sin, and you will begin to change your behavior, and you will cry out to God and ask him to open for you the gates of righteousness. Five minutes. And it will bring suffering into your life. Let me read this for you. Chapter 5. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. But you see, most of you who listen to this broadcast have no fear of death because your life is comfortable now. You have sufficient food and clothing and rest and a car to drive. You have the basic essentials, and you have time to fill your heart and your life with entertainment that sears your mind. You don't meditate or spend time seeking after the heart of God. You're comfortable. You're being rocked in the cradle of death in America because America is no longer righteous or good and many of you still have some memory of the Christian faith and you cling to some blindness saying well I'm trying I'm doing my best I feel some emotional response to Jesus. Can I tell you, that's not nearly enough to take you to heaven. That's not nearly enough to make you righteous before God that today can be the day of salvation for you. Jesus, without sin, had to offer up prayers and petitions with cries, with loud cries, with tears, with weeping. And his prayers were heard because of his reverent submission or his reverent koinonia, his reverent fellowship. That is, he leaned into God. 
he leaned his weight into God. Two minutes. He did not lean his weight into his credit card or into his job or into his friendships or into his entertainment. He leaned his weight into God and God heard him. Now we're out of time. Would you come back and listen again tomorrow and would you invite a friend? And we're going to go down there. We're going to deal with reality. Let's pray. Almighty God. Almighty God. Hear the cry of my heart for America, for my brothers and sisters who are listening now, but who are dulled by the world, by the flesh, by the devil. Lord, clean us up. Ignite our hearts. Put fire in us. Open the gates of righteousness for your people that we could enter in. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your name. Amen. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I love you, my brother, my sister. I want you to turn and pay the price to follow Jesus with me. I want you to come and fellowship with us at the National Prayer Chapel. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Is a Christian education.